Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I feel like you should really appreciate your come up. It's the most romantic part of your career. When you get past all the bullshit, then you're like, really, this was great. And it did happen for a reason, and the universe did make it go this way. A lot of the relationships that we put ourselves through are very temporary. People come in your life for a reason. Those reasons are the stories that you tell to other people. I think it's such a beautiful time right now where people are really being encouraged to celebrate their culture and celebrate their differences and celebrate things that we've maybe been made to feel ashamed of. Yo, what's up? What's up? It's Sean Leon. Hi, it's Myrna. What's up, guys? This is Khalid. Hey, what's up? It's Ali. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. Hey, welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chetto. I'm the host and founder of The Come Up Show. And my special guest today, Beat Child. I know him as Slack at a Beat Child. He's a music producer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist and artist from Toronto. And he's done production with Drake, Justin Uzunka, Glenn Lewis, and countless others. His sound ranges from rock, soul, hip-hop, folk, and everything in between. He has a brand new album out called Heavy Rockin' Steady. We talked about that album, his origins of growing up in a small town of Sarnia, Ontario. He shared with me a time that he was frustrated as a creative and so much more. Beat Child on the Come Up Show podcast. Let's go. Please introduce yourself. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? This is Byram Beat Child Joseph, formerly Slacker, the Beat Child. I just go by Beat Child now. Just Beat Child. Yep, just Beat Child. I've evolved and I've matured and grown and, uh, you know, shed some layers of the past me. And along with that shedding, Mm. Slacker shed. So it's just Beat Child. Simplified, refined. Boom. What's the difference between Slack at a Beat Child and Beat Child? Um, Beat Child is is grown up. Beat Child is um, the is refined in. What was the name of Slack? Like what's Slack? Slack. You know what? Yeah. It was it was just like I was a slacker, and when I was young, coming up, it was just like I was battle rapping and Slack at the Beat Child. That's who I was. Yeah. You know, um, in Beat Child, my mom gave me that nickname when I was a baby. She put me on the washing machine, mm. on the rinse cycle. It was this ghetto washing machine. It'd make a like a rhythm noise, and I'd dance to it. Mm. So she called me the Beat Child. Um, but yeah, you know, as time went on, uh, I felt like I I was maturing in in many aspects of my life, creatively, mm. as a person, as a, a husband, as a business person, all these things. I just felt like I was kind of growing and maturing and with that process there's a refining that i felt and uh it just naturally felt like the right thing to do Mm. yeah there's that that that's kind of common in some artists right when they have that 
Yeah. You know, I had Myrna in here. She told a story about. There you go. From Aya to Myrna. Yeah. She felt it was like a rebirth. It's a rebirth. Yeah. It's a. It's like it's a shedding. Yeah. You know, and there's people who were still call me Slack, and that's cool because they, they that's what they knew me as. Mm-hmm. Um, I am still that guy. But you know, there's an interesting fact that every I believe it's seven years. You know, we shed cells on the outside and on the inside, and in seven years, you shed your complete self. So you are not, physically, you are not the same person you were seven years ago. Like a new body, basically. You're basically a completely new body. So when they say, oh, you've changed. Oh, yeah, you've changed. Every cell in your body has died and regenerated, right? Mm. So... So it's kind of sad if you're, you have a brand new body, but your mentality hasn't changed. There you, there you go. You gotta, you have to change. You, 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 you don't have to, but you yeah. should change. You know, you should change your different experiences. Kind of shift your your makeup, mm-hmm. and hopefully, if you have the right outlook, it makes you into a. You keep getting better. Keep getting better, right? So you're originally from. Sarnia, Sarnia Ontario, hey. Chemical Valley. Hey, Chemical Valley. That's the name. Well, that's what they called. So next to Sarnia is the refineries, which yeah. is like huge, 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 huge refineries, and it's like the biggest refineries in in Canada, maybe even North America, and uh, it's where all the chemicals come from. <laughs> like they, it's crazy, mm. and it's right beside Sarnia. So you know there are times where you would see a green cloud surround the city just because all the fumes from the from the uh, refinery wow and every monday um at school you would hear sirens they're testing the 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 sirens and it like blares through the city and as kids we never really paid much attention to it but you know when you think back it was so eerie you'd be playing outside for recess and you'd hear So, as a drill. As a drill. In case something had popped off. <laughs> exactly. You know? Damn. Damn. Yeah. Head east. Head. No, <laughs> what, what direction would you head? You would head east, yeah. You're west, as west as you can be, right? Sorry. You're pretty You're pretty west, yeah. yeah. You'd, you'd want to head uh, east. That's right. Head to Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah, yeah that's, where I, that's where I spent 18 years of my life. The first 18 years of your life. Yeah, 18 years. That's it. And how did uh, Sarnia shape you? Sarnia shaped me in, I think, very subtle ways. You know, um, Sarnia is very peaceful and quiet. So what that kind of stirred up inside of me was a desire for something more, mm. something more exciting, something, you know, adventure diversity and that's what gave me the passion to um move and and head to toronto and and find more of what i loved because it wasn't you know my soul was not being fed in sarnia um it's just not a hub for music and art a lot of great talent from there so you were not like at that point like the like before you moved to sarnia were you into music were you at all yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, from a young age, I was really into music. My my mom would definitely supply me with the the tools to fuel that desire and passion for music. You know, she was the first one to give me music, like a, like a Fat Boys eight track. You know, she'd give me vinyl, 
she got me one record, but you know, it was enough to make me get excited about music. She'd always play music in the house. What was the vinyl she got you? It was um, Bobby McFerrin. Okay. Don't worry, be happy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, there's always music playing in the house. But there was always something inside of me, like a music, a music makeup inside of me. Like there was always something that drew me to music, no matter what. I remember we had a neighbor, and they were like these punk rockers. They were doing like punk rock, and to me, I thought that was the coolest thing. I'd go into their garage and sit down and watch them play, and I'd I'd be like so into it. And he would call me over and he'd be like, "You can play the drums, play the drums." And he would tell you to play the drums. Yeah. Okay. And I'd play, and he'd, he'd kind of show me a bit. And they were like impressed that I was able to pick it up so quickly. I honestly wish I knew who they were. I have no idea who they were because I'd love to reach out to them now. But yeah, they 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 kind of show me how to make how to play beats. And then we went on a trip to Grenada when I was younger, and we walked the whole family walked by the studio, and I saw the drum kit, and I'm like, oh, we got to go in there. So I went in, I started playing the drum kit. I was must have been like 10 years old, and my parents were like, what the heck? Where did you learn how to do that? So when we got back home, they put me in drum lessons. And then I took violin lessons, piano lessons, vocal lessons. And uh, yeah, it just kind of like inspired me. And then, you know, I, I eventually from that point on, I, I started getting into creating music. You know, playing music was one thing, but making music was a whole nother world that kind of made me feel good. That creative outlet. How are you making music? This so, is still in Sarnia? Yeah, still in okay. Sarnia. You okay. know, I was a young kid and um, my mom had gotten me a, a karaoke machine and it had a deck A and deck B. And I figured out that you can record on deck A, put it in deck B, rewind it, hit play, put a new cassette in deck A, hit record. Now it's going to record what you just played and now I can add to it. So multi-tracking. And then when I have that one, I just flip the tapes around again. Now it's going to play the two things I had recorded, hit play. Hit record now, and it's gonna play the two things, and I'm gonna add a third thing now. Wow, you're so layering, layering, yeah. And to me, this was so cool. Wow, you know, it's so like you discovered something. I just, yo, that was that was a paradigm shift, right there. That was the paradigm shift because now it's like, okay, you can play an instrument, but now it's like this whole three dimensional world just opens up. You know, hmm. it was, it's, yeah, that definitely like. So what were you me. like playing or doing on a, on I would, a karaoke machine? Well, I had this little yeah. keyboard, this Casio keyboard. Yeah. So I'd do like the bass line or the drums. Yeah. Like you're playing covers or what you heard or like you were creating something? I was just making up yeah. stuff that okay. I thought sounded cool. Okay. Um, then I would do like several instruments and then I'd do like the vocal track at the very end. Like sing something. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. So those those were the early, early beat child days. Your mom's very supportive, man. Yeah, she's very buying supportive. Buying you all this stuff and like, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Totally, and and, yeah. I, and um, you know, I have a son; he's one and a half, and um, I th I've been doing that with him because I I'm so grateful that she did that, you know. So I figure, I mean, music's what I know, so that's what I'm gonna provide to him. I'm not gonna like try. To, I don't want to force music on him, but I want to give him the tools. And if I see, you know, if he if I notice that he's into drawing then I'm going to supply him with the tools to discover the world of that, you know, but I think it's really important to feed, to feed the hunger, you know, especially in young children. Art stimulates a part of your brain that I think is undervalued. You know, I can think of times in, um, being in school, going to music class, 
like band class. And like those memories, they're in a different part of my brain. When I think back to those memories, it feels different. It, it's like it's somewhere else in my brain. And if you don't have those experiences, those parts of your mind are not accessed. You know, they just lay dormant. Mm. So, and you know, it goes beyond music and art too. That's why it's, it's, you need to have an open mind about things because different experiences, different things that stimulate your soul, your mind, your heart kind of, they have different places in your, in your brain, you know? So I love discovering new things. That's why I want you to check out that movie too, man. It, it kind of opened my mind to the fourth dimension, hmm. you know? Yeah, yes. You know, the the brain is limitless. And I like and I like to kind of um have that theory, I guess. That kind of state of mind when creating music. It's easy to get it's easy to get into one lane and to kind of stay there. But uh even with this new record, I wanted to make sure that I gave myself some leeway to experience and ex discover new kind of feelings and new approaches to how I make music. You know, to make a beat and make that soulful head nodder, that's so easy, man. It's autopilot, you know? You do that in your I sleep. could do that in my sleep. Mm. But um, it's another thing to challenge yourself with the goal of discovering different parts of yourself you know mm. and um i feel like i i kind of scratched the surface with that with this album you know it's, it's it's a little different you know the slackadelics that's my alter ego that's why i put it beach out and the slackadelics and that alter ego is, is the guy who is comfortable with digging deeper and kind of experimenting and not being bound by expectations or bound by current sounds or music mm. you know so yeah it was it was really it was really freeing how do you push those expectations away and just yeah i think a lot of it is um listening more than actually creating listening to what listening to other music listening to other people listening to someone's experiences stories you know we have one mouth but two ears so Listening is definitely crucial. And the more you listen, the more you, you are trained. It's train ear training, you know, is by listening. So I like to listen to all types of music. I like to listen to, you know, I like to challenge myself with what I hear. If I hear something and I don't like it right away, but somebody else really likes it, I stop and I try to hear it differently. Because if they like it, what, why do they like it? You know, and when you take when you take the time to kind of listen through other ears, I think you can you start to hear more. And the more you hear, the more your li your mental library is start to get filled up with kind of information, mm. you know. So the process of creating this album and future albums too, and past albums, um, a lot of it is a I like to take my time. You know, this is four plus years in the making probably more but when it, when I release music I, I feel really kind of comfortable with it and satisfied with the product you know mm. once it's out it's out forever so there's no point in rushing it for anybody 
I, that's very interesting that you want to, you're listening, you're saying listening is important, you like to listen to different things, because I've heard the, other, the opposite as well, too, where artists say they try not to listen to other things, so they're not influenced by those things, so they don't sound mm -hmm. like those things. Yeah, we're all influenced by something, you know, nothing is new, mm. nothing is new, there's only a certain amount of notes in the scale, right? Mm-hmm. The English language is one of the most limited <laughs> languages when it comes to expressing, too. Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. Banzoogle makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. Choose from hundreds of mobile-friendly themes. Then customize your design and content in a few clicks with Banzoogle's easy visual editor. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including tools to sell your music and merch commission-free right on your website, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, integrations to pull in content from all your online services like Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Banzoogle plans start at $8.29 a month and include your free custom domain name. Go to banzoogle.com to try for free for 30 days and be sure to use the promo code CHEDO15. That is C-H-E-D-O 15 to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. Banzoogle, websites built for musicians by musicians. So I want you, so you say you try to understand what people may like in other things and you try to hear from their ears so mm -hmm. you can understand it. Mm -hmm. So can you make sense of me, of trap music? I just yeah. want to oh, go because yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to you know get it still. Yeah, I know I love trap music. Yeah, I don't listen to it like religiously, but but yeah. um, I've taken the time to understand that frequency, and when you understand it and you watch people connect to that frequency, it's really it's really cool, you know. And then once you once you can feel that frequency, then you can start to to distinguish good trap versus just crap trap you know um but it's a frequency you know there's a rhythm there's a cadence there's a swag there's there's a there's an identity there's a culture you know as with many different um subcultures and subgenres and um there's definitely elements that influence pop music from in trap you know the, you know everything everything is influenced by everything mm. everything's influenced by everything so yeah once you understand what people are connecting to because it's communication right music is communication when you understand what's communicating the best whether it's lyrical mel melodic rhythmic you know whatever whatever it is once you understand which one of those things are communicating best or playing with each other then it kind of like broadens your your palate and mm. when you're creating, now that you have that extra palette to paint with, you know, you have these these unique kind of textures and, and rhythms that you can apply to what you already know. So when people follow like whatever is the wave or the hot, uh, because you know some some people may follow that because it it may catch on faster mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i feel like the reason they're doing that is because everybody's tuned into that frequency or it's something that's so much easier to understand what's going on there well yeah. i think yeah. a lot 
you have to consider motive when it comes to creating any art. When it comes to creating anything, really, motive. What's the motive? You know, when you think of construction of homes um, years ago, the motive was create something for your family and generations to come. And you and your family would get the material and you'd build something that's quality. And a lot of those structures are still standing. A lot of the methods they used are some of the best construction methods because the motive was pure. Now, the motive for construction is, you know, 98% of the time profit-driven. When something's profit-driven, the motive is not necessarily like a place of pure goodness. You know what I mean? So now you get into mass construction. Now, now okay, we need to um, build as quickly as possible for as cheap as possible so we can make the most profit. So the motive there is going to influence the end product. Now you have buildings that won't uh, last more than 50, 60 years. Whereas there's structures that last, you know, thousands of years. So when it comes to music, it's the same thing. What's the motive? Are you creating an art to express, to express yourself? Or are you creating a product to make profit? It's the same concept, you know, but motive um, influences the final product. If somebody is just hearing something and they're like, okay, everyone's loving this, so I'm going to do the same thing and they'll love me. To me, that's that motive is whack. And that is some, there's a lot of holes in your artistry if, if that's how you move primarily. And, you know, it might work for you and you might, you might get successful from doing that, but longevity or or integrity is completely different than money you know profit like they're 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 very different they're very different things you know just because the world we live in they're kind of tied together but integrity goes a long way and you can hear it you know you you hear a lot of music you interview a lot of people so you I'm, i'm sure you can like you know when something is just timeless and, you know, there's an artist versus somebody who's just kind of in the music industry. And I've worked with people too where they come in the studio and their energy is like pure, their motive is pure, and the art they create is like, it's refreshing. And then there's people who are on this, they have an agenda. And it's a completely different way of working, you know. It's a way more kind of rigid, and that kind of um, restricts the creative juices. Sometimes those people with an agenda, though, rise faster than the pure genius. Oh, absolutely. You probably see but, that, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it, dep- it depends on, you know, what what you mean by rise faster, right? Get attention, more attention. What does that mean, though? What does more attention mean in the grand scheme of creating art that's here forever? There's a fine balance. There's a fine balance, I guess. I always compare it uh, to home cooking to fast food. Yeah. Fast food has its time and place. Exactly. When it's three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That make it these sounds and t- exactly, good. and it tastes and it tastes good in that moment. It yeah, tastes so good. Done. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you can't eat that at three times a day. Every oh, day. no, no, you shouldn't no. at least. Yeah. And when you wake up the next yeah. morning, you're like, damn, oh, I don't that doesn't feel good. You know, <laughs> definitely. Brand new album. 
Boom. Beat Child and the Slackadelics. Yeah, and the, the name of the album is not even printed on here. Yeah, I was, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, self-titled? <laughs> the name of the album is Heavy Rock and Steady. Heavy Rock and Steady. Heavy Rock and Steady. And, um, you know, I, I when it comes to artwork, mm. it's kind of like the artwork is part of the playlist. Just, you know, the we're track, holding the, the track CD listing. right now for the people who are listening. Yeah, that's what, yeah. That's yeah. what that noise is. You know, fresh fresh off the press, still in the plastic. Mm. Um, but yeah, artwork is important to me. Front cover is by a photographer by the name of Patrick Joust from Baltimore. He's an amazing photographer. Is it front cover? Where is that at? That's in California. Cali, yeah. Cali. different. But yeah. the back looks like it's here. Yeah, the back <laughs> is T-Dot. And that's um, another amazing photographer, Chris Asnor. Mm. The homie. With the Ontario power lines. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell this is, this is here. Up in the borough. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, yeah, yeah. This is what number in terms of albums? Where are we at? Okay, so there's there's Too Late Now, which not too many people know about. That's the first one? That's the very first one. Too Late Now. Yeah. That's Is that it. out anywhere? <laughs> Have huh? fun finding that one. Too Late, like uh, T-O-O Late yeah. Now. Yeah. Okay. Don't ever play that, please. Okay. <laughs> it's on Discogs. Really? Yeah, it's a CD. Show 2001. Me. Oh, 2001, really? <laughs> 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 wow, man. Somebody has it on CD. There's 11 people who want it. Yo, the lowest price this CD is going for is $70, dog. Wow, the CD. Wow. <laughs> My dad has like a box of like probably 200 Damn, bro. In the you basement. Should, you should put it up then. Oh, man. That's like, oh, man. That's my early days. So I'm like so rapping. Oh, there's some bad. We're going back to art versus commerce now. The conversation you just had earlier. Yeah, like, well, that's that was my she, younger days. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was my younger days. Because you're like, there's the man for it, financial. And you're like, uh, can I do this as an artist? Because you're not, obviously, he's way back. Maybe you're not comfortable with having it out. Is that what you're, it's you're, not, it's just embarrassing. you're debating? It's just embarrassing. You know, there's some people who think that it's not embarrassing because it reflects the time and, and where I was creatively, which mm. I agree with. You know, if I'm in a room with some some people and friends, I, then I'd love playing it because it's just like, it's fun. It's a good laugh. But um, wow, yo, it's, so somebody's actually selling it for two hundred dollars. What? Take a look at that. No. So, so they're saying they, stupid rare. Stupid Back rare. Back the B child. Too late now. Two hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that's two, that's that 200 That's yeah. 200 American Wow So some And 11 people want it And zero people have it It says Wow this <laughs> So this is the album His first album ever oh, On Discogs man. Going for 200 bucks And look at the face of Slacker <laughs> Can't believe it <laughs> Wow, that's good. Keep up in that price, man. <laughs> Let's make that real. He said stupid rare, three exclamation marks. Who is this guy? The, funk, the funky one. <laughs> wow, the funky one. I wonder if I know who this is. Wow. I wonder if it's like a... Hmm. I got to go through my CD collection and see what I got. I'm surprised you don't actually have this. 
I don't. 2001? No, I don't got that. I didn't even come up show certain 07, so. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Wow. You learned something today. I learned something today. Crazy, eh? Yeah. I should, like, put up a few on there and make some extra dough, but I'm, I, I'm not putting them at 200. They're going for 500 a pop. There were some actually beats on there that are, are pretty. Yeah. Timeless. That's, yeah, that's kind of weird, man. That someone's selling my CD for two hundred dollars. It's kind of yeah. It's like damn. Yes. It, it's it seventeen years ago, man. They came out. Yeah. Two thousand and one. Um. Yeah. You know what? Would you been in Sarnia still then? Or you, oh yeah, I remember yeah, yeah, recording yeah. that. I was in the basement. I yeah. made my own little studio with some equipment yeah. from Radio Shack. Yeah. And um. I got art local artists to do features on there. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like learned my way through it. I made the beats, recorded it myself. I found a place in Toronto to manufacture the CD. Mm. A wonderful friend of mine, Jill, she funded she funded it for me. I paid her back by selling the CDs. Wow. You know? Yeah, bless her heart. 15 tracks and D.O. was on this. So let's talk yeah. about a little bit about how you, uh, you know, D.O. has been your friend. Yeah, D.O. Um, and I go way back, and as you can see from yeah. the album. But yeah, he but was D.O. is not from Sarnia, right? Well, he's from Windsor. No, no, he's 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 from all over the place. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah, Yeah. you know, Saskatchewan. But he spent a lot of time. He grew up in Sarnia, basically. Okay. Yeah, he was the other guy who was a rapper, and he was really good, right? So I'm like, oh, who is this guy? And he kind of put me, brought me under his wing, Hmm. and um, he kind of mentored me in the early years Hmm. in the music industry because he was older than me, right? So, Mm um. He had experience with, uh, you know, the music industry, and he was doing his thing as well. So I'd often tag along and just meet people. Wow. Yeah. Executive producer Byron Joseph and Corey Ratcher. Yeah, Corey. Corey's another one of those guys who was older than me, and he mentored me too. He was just a gearhead, and we just hung out, and he had, like, cool equipment, so he let me borrow it. That's why I put him in there as uh, executive producer, because he helped by him lending me a lot of this gear, it helped create the album. Mm. So I need to I need to screenshot that and send it to him. He'll get a kick out of that. Hundred percent. It's on Discogs. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so yeah, let's get back to this album. Yeah, let's get we back to this about, album. Uh, heavy rock and steady. Yes, sir. Tell, tell us about it. It's definitely in terms of sound, man. This ain't no. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's it's definitely different. It's um. I'm influenced a lot by the 70s, the tonal sound of the 70s. I just found it was um, warm and, and something that, you know, the sound of that era is just so nice. And I try mm-hmm. to capture it with a lot of these tracks. Mm-hmm. Some songs are recorded to analog tape. You know, that experience of tracking to tape is different where you have to, you start from the st- top of the song right to the end. And you're really aware of every part. You know, this part has to feel like this and that. And you do that with every track that you lay down. And when those come together, you get something so kind of special. Yeah, what is the difference when you, you know, you're, you're tracking it, uh, analog tape? Mm-hmm. What's, what's in terms of the sound? So in terms of the sound, yeah. it's a l- more realistic than digital. Realistic. Yeah, it's more lifelike, mm. which is great. You want your music to sound lifelike, right? Well, I do, at least mm. with this record. Um and it forces you to perform better because it's not as easy as in, in 
Pro Tools or Logic where you can kind of like do section by section and, and edit this and edit that. It's not like that. You need to perform. If you're if you're doing a tambourine track, you need to play the best damn tambourine of your life for that track. You know what I mean? There's no faking it. And I think that makes you step up your game. It's fun too. So you're saying in the process of actually making the music, like recording it, mm-hmm. you got to step your game up because yeah. when it's being recorded on tape, mm-hmm. whatever the imperfections are going to come out even exactly. much more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's, it's harder to edit it out. So you don't want to take the time to have to edit stupid stuff, you know. So you got to make sure you're listening and playing accordingly. Hmm. And so t- tell us a little bit more about this album. Um, well, it was it was a labor of love, you know. It's, it it's took you four years, f- at least, maybe even more. Like the moment my f- the first Slackadelics album came out, the other side of tomorrow. The moment that came out, I started working on new music, mm-hmm. and that came out in 2012. Hmm. Yeah, it came out 2012. So 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, about five years. True, like realistically. But like I said, I took my time with this. What was most important to me was the songwriting with this album because it had been one of my goals years ago. I want to become one of the best songwriters ever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, take a, uh, I take a very conscious effort to craft the songs in a way that are done carefully and, and done with um, attention to detail. And I really feel like there's a lot of songs on this album that people like, but a few years are going to go by and they're going to actually take in the lyrics and the structure and be like, oh, wow, this is what he was actually talking about on this song. And, you know, I've had that experience where I'd listen to a Stevie Wonder song and actually read the lyrics. And I'm like, oh, oh, wow. It's it's <laughs> deeper, deeper than I um, initially thought, you know, and I think that it's important for music to have layers because when people discover those new layers, it takes on a new life for them. And that's pretty cool for a piece of music to do, you know? It's like watching a movie over again and catching details, and it kind of explains more, or other parts of it make more sense now. Um, so that's all about writing. And when it comes to music, it's all about writing too, right? So I, I wanted to take my time with the writing. I'm not the, I'm not the best writer. I'm not the quickest writer. I'm confident with my writing when I can rewrite and make sure that what I have is um, hmm. cohesive and complete. Complete is important. It has to be complete. So when I think when we're rediscovering things, whether it be a movie or a music or song, it adds to the longevity. Yes. Because if you, f- if you can figure it out quickly, you move on. Qu- no, good point. I like quickly, that. Right? I like that. Uh, so how do you accomplish that as a songwriter then? I think it's a journey. I don't think it's accomplished and done. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you aim for that? Yeah. I think it's about listening again. I think it comes back to listening. Mm. Because if I only listen to my album, then I think that this is the best album that there ever was. And then that's that's that. And I'm never going to grow past that. If I hear something that I think is much, much better than this, I'm going to be inspired. And... I'm going to aim for that next, right? Mm. If you don't know what you're aiming for, you can't aim for something. Hold on, what? Say that again? That's a bar right there. What? <laughs> if you if you can't 
If you can't see what you're, I don't even know what I said. If you don't know what you're aiming for. If you for, don't know what you're aiming for, you can't aim for any. You're not aiming for anything. Hmm. You might have to rewind it and, and find out exactly verbatim, but but that is that's what it is. You know, if there's you can't, if there's no targets, what are you aiming at? Are you aiming for yourself? You don't want to aim for yourself. That's where you. That's the present. That's where you currently are. You need you need reference points. You know you need you need to hear things that are better. You need to hear things that are greater. You know. So what did you aim for on this project? Or what was I listening to? Oh, I was listening to everything, man. And and sometimes it's like sometimes it's about collaboration too. Because mm-hmm. when you collaborate and somebody shoots an idea. That's an idea that's not in your vantage point, you know? And now the next line that you come up with has to be really good as well. So that's a way of, like, aiming, keep aiming for something better. And I find, too, when you, when you co-write with somebody, you step your game up. Because I want to bring to the table something that's going to make you say, yeah. Right. And you want to do the same thing, too. So we're both digging for the greatest lines we can come up with. Um, So that's one way to aim. That's one way I did it. Some of the best songs on this album were co-writes. So it's excitement when you're in that in that. Yeah, it's excitement. It's a different headspace. Um, You know, it's it's a form of challenging yourself. Challenging yourself. Yeah. Sometimes I'll write a song and I'm like, okay, it feels good in the moment. But. How about when I feel depressed and I listen to it? Does it still sound good? Because, you know, when you're in different states of mind, you hear things differently. Mm. Right? Depending on it, you could be depressed and you're like, oh, this sucks. Exactly. Same piece of music. Mm. But it sucks now. Why? There's got to be a reason for it. Well, make it better in that moment. And then in that moment, you're challenging yourself, you know? But if it's if it's good when you're depressed, you're like, damn, this song's good. Exactly. I'm mad it's that good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. You gotta see a doctor. Uh, or you'd be like, damn, I, I I did that. I did my thing on this one. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and if if you if that makes you feel good, yeah, makes you feel a little less depressed, then that's yeah. a good thing, you know. I've I've heard like uh like I've uh, from other artists had how sad music or depressing music makes them happy. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, you know, music stimulates the brain regardless. And it's not just the words. Chord progressions vibrate differently. And vibration is a form of healing, right? Mm. Chords are harmonious vibrations multiplied, you know? So, yeah, music, music can heal, even if the words and the content is sad. It's all vibrations. And one uh, regular uh, collaborator is the homie Justin. Justin Nozuka. Nozuka. Yeah, Justin's why, awesome. Why do you, why do you you know collaborate with him on a lot of your stuff? Because he's pure, man. His motives are pure, and like we talked about earlier, when the motive is pure, the art is pure. And to add on top of that, he's really talented. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's a good friend of mine. So. It, with this song, it felt like it, it, Justin was meant to be on there, so I reached out to him. And with a lot of my songs, I don't just randomly pick people. The music kind of dictates who I think should be on the song, mm. you know. And that one needed someone like Justin. 
So be, be child, you know, you've been, you're on this journey and uh, you've been in it, you know, for a minute now. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you say would like, uh, it was like maybe a frustrating or challenging time for you in, in creatively? And um, yeah, I would have to say when I had the cafe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, Tell people about that. So we opened yeah. a cafe a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, just as a crazy idea, you know, we always wanted to do it. But it kind of turned into this beast, and I wasn't able to create music as freely as I once had been able to. And uh, I view my relationship with music as a, a biological relationship. What does so, that mean? So music and me are—it's part of my DNA. It's part of my DNA. So when I can't fulfill that part of my me, you know, it affects me. It's it's like how do I describe it? it? It's part of my makeup. It's part of my you know, my molecular structure needs to create music for me to feel complete. You know, we we are biology. We are like plants. You know, plant needs sunlight. You know, different plants need different different um, environments to thrive. There's no different from you and I. You know what I mean? And we're all the great thing about humans is our world unique each one of us are unique and for me music i need to create music to feel complete and to thrive as byram b child joseph and that was preventing me from doing that why why was it it, it was yeah. very time consuming just operating a business operating it yeah, yeah and then the stress of that hindered my ability to be productive in the studio mm. And the studio was right there in the same space, you know? Eventually it was, because oh, okay. I needed to find a way to make, get it closer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but a lot of these songs are written in the studio. They know there'd be no customers. I go to the piano. We had a piano in there. Mm -hmm. And I'd work on a lot of this music. So a lot of the music is inspired by a lot of those times being in the studio, or in the cafe, which is the studio too. Mm. Um, like The Good Life, you know? That kind of was... How long that, did that period last where you felt like funky like that? Two years. Two years, wow. Yeah. It's a long time. It is a long time. But I would say it 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 uh, inspired maybe, you know, one third of the songs on here, which is cool. It, it captured a moment in time. Moment mm. in time was... How would was you captured. say it inspired it? It allowed me, that going through that allowed me to be more vulnerable it allowed me to feel things I hadn't felt before. Mm -hmm. And I know as a songwriter, you know, you, you kind of latch onto those things. You're like, okay, feelings, you need to, you need to put that down on paper. You need to capture that because a feeling is real, right? People, people can understand feelings. Um, and the realer it is, the more real it is. Authentic. The, yeah. The more authentic it is, then the better it is communicated. Right. Mm reality we, we understand reality and 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 so that's you know one story as well too and like did you like you know did you have a vision or like when he especially when he started out or whatever mm -hmm. in terms of because you've accomplished some stuff you've worked with people you know you've traveled as well too uh like you know did you have an idea when you're like oh i'm i'm a i'm a blow up <laughs> and like this is what i'm gonna do <laughs> you know like that um, type of you know Maybe when I was like seventeen. Yeah. But 
you know, I think I try to keep it simple. I, and I have for the longest time. I just want to have balance, be able to provide for my family, create my art, and have balance in my life. That's where I find the most happiness. Mm-hmm. Blowing up is uh, not not on my radar. Blowing up. You know, that's not on my agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not part of the business plan, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, like you also, you know, you, you work as like you're, you record other people. Yeah, I, I'm a producer. You're a producer. Yeah. You engineer as well? Or yep, not? yep. I'm mixing Junior T's album right now, right? Yeah, mixing. So you do all these other things. Yeah. Where you don't have to rely on just creating true. music yourself. It's that, true. That keeps you. Definitely. I mean, going. artists that are yeah. hustling, man. Who, man, I, I can't imagine. That's a hard game. Just. Just doing music. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's hard. Yeah. You have to be, if you're doing it full time. Yeah. Oh, you got to be, you got to be on it. It's not easy. You know, you think of a lot of the most successful artists, it's drug money. It's drug money that got them there. If that's, if you, if you don't have drug money behind you, man, I feel for you. Mm. Emotionally, like mentally, physically. A lot of artists live under the poverty line, man. Yeah. You know, and the the sad thing with the music industry, entertainment industry, is that you have to maintain a facade, right? Because if you don't if you don't appear to be successful, a large majority of the audience won't buy in, but you know, quote unquote, buy into you, and they're not going to subconsciously want to want your life. You know, I think that's part of the allure of, of people becoming fans is you're living a life that they want and they can peer into that world while listening to music they like, you know. So a lot of artists have to, they don't have to, but they, they naturally take on this persona, this facade to appear like they have more than they actually do. But the truth is a lot of these artists are living below the poverty line. You know, waiters fight for higher wages. If a lot of, if the, you know, the general public knew what artists, you know, music, visual artists, all type of artists are, are, are living, you know, on, it's like, damn, they'd be like, wow, we got it good. And do you feel like in 2018 and beyond with uh, streaming and everything being digital, yeah. Or d- further devaluing the uh, music. Yeah, unfortunately, right now it's in a, a weird transitional place, and it makes it even harder. Um, I, I do think there's going to be a revolution because you know the digital age is new, and people are just catching on to it. Lawmakers and and you know all this stuff. But there there will be a shift, a revolution where it's going to reset, and the artists will make a, a, a much more fair wage. Mm. You know, might might not be in my lifetime, but you know we've we've already seen improvements. There's going to be a 44 percent increase in songwriter royalties. You know, f- paid out by the big tech companies and the you know Google and the Facebooks. They're the, they're the future of like telecommunications and you know social everything. So the fact that they're the ones now responsible for increasing what they're paying songwriters is going to be very huge. Mm. Um, but it's just, and that's just, that's just the beginning. It's still not enough, 
but um, it's just a beginning. It's not completely fair yet. There is kind of a disconnect where music means a lot to us yeah. as consumers. Yeah. Our day-to-day, like, yep. what commuting, washing the dishes, oh, yeah. going, partying, everything, whatever. Everything, everything. It's, it's the soundtrack of our lives. Yeah. But when it comes to paying for it, we have this funny thing. I don't yeah. understand it. The value. It's, it's, every, it's everybody's fault. Down from the artist to the people representing the artist down to the fans. It's the value that we've somehow placed on music. Like nine, like iTunes, Apple, 99 cents when they came out with that. 99 cents for a song. They just set the, they just valued the song now. And now in everyone's mind, a song is worth 99 cents. You know, I'm sure they structured it some way to reflect what an average album price is. But I think they missed the mark there. I think they missed the mark. You know, when you buy services, the more of that product you get, the more expensive it is. But then you kind of, you get um, discounts on volume. But I think that individual product, a single is worth far more than 99 cents. You know what I mean? If you're getting 100 songs, then the value should be 99 cents. But in my opinion, one song, based on, just based on um, where, where, where we are as an economy, you know, the value of stuff and the time it makes to create stuff, right? Compared to other products. A song is worth, like, a single is worth at least $20. <laughs> at least $20. When you think of when you think of what goes into creating that... Yeah, the cost. The cost. The hard cost. The hard cost. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that, it, you know, depending on the, art, the, the volume... Volume is another thing, right? So when a company can create, create a bunch of a product and get it to the masses... Then their expenses for doing that are less. Hmm. You know, that's why when you get stuff at like Walmart, it's cheaper than getting it at, I don't know, a mom and pop store. It's because the volume's different. You get discount breaks on volume. So imagine a world where the independent artist could charge more for their song. And then the major artists, they charge a little less because they're reaching more people naturally. Right? I guess that's like the ideal the ideal world where yeah. a, there would be a balance, you know, exactly. even if you're famous, you know, there's not artists who are living in poverty. You know, the spectrum wouldn't be so wide mm-hmm. in the same industry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, maybe I'm just a dreamer. Yeah. yeah. No, but. no, no. I think that, well, I do remember I interviewed you like a while ago. I was like, like Slack, I remember that you don't give out songs for free. You charge for everything. I do remember that <laughs> asking you that question. And, and, things and, haven't changed. <laughs> There's va- you have to value art. Yeah. The more I value the art, yeah. the more you're going to value it. And whoever's listening to it now, their ear is going to be like, "Oh, okay," and it changes their perspective on it. Value. It's a value. Hours yeah. go into creating one song. Yeah. You know, and hundreds I'm seeing, of hours. I'm seeing certain artists, like a rapper named uh, Rock Marciano, a New York rapper. Uh, he put out an album, but it was just available on his website. Mm-hmm. And you, he charged $30. Nice. It was not available anywhere. Cool. And now he still has it up. Maybe, like, I think for a few weeks he'll have it up, and then 
And they're like, when is going to go out on streaming website? He's like, after I've gotten the value out of this, I'll give it to the blood suckers or something, something like that. He said, oh, I need to, I'll I give need it to... to them for scraps. Oh, you know I, I need mean? to talk to this guy. Right. So like he charged $30 and some people are like, what? $30? There was some pushback, but then he stated the value and, and people were happy to pay. Oh, I love you know that, I mean? man. I and Nipsey Hussle was also the proud to pay campaign like a couple of years ago. He was charging $100. Yeah. He gave it out for free to whatever, but he's like, if you're proud to pay, you call it a proud to pay campaign. $100 meant you could get it a day earlier, physical, signed. It also gave you like a secret uh, access to a show. Oh, cool. Stuff like that. And, yeah. And people were happy to pay 100 bucks. So Beautiful. You, the artist, you know. Yeah. And, and it also depends what kind of music you make as well, too. You know? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The quality. and like Yes, yes. Stuff. Definitely, it's gotta, definitely. It's got to match up. Yeah, you're, with, there's got to be fans there, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's 2018, you yeah. child. Uh, and you've been in the music for a while. So, like, what do you make of, like, the attention that there is on the city? What is the energy that you're feeling when people say, you know... I don't know if you've been around outside of Toronto recently. Mm-hmm. You said I'm from Toronto. Yeah. What's What's the difference compared it's diff- to Wow, right now it's, yeah. it's beautiful, man. Yeah. You You can use that as leverage in business. When you go outside of Toronto and you say you're from Toronto, it's a beautiful thing. People value artists from Toronto, and they they look at them in high regard, um, which is great because it's it's true. Toronto has a lot of t- talented people, man. It's like melting pot, a condensed melting pot of talent. And um, I see it all the time. And even when I travel, when I travel and work with other artists in different countries and cities, it's like, it's, it's with the exception of, of some places, like London is, is a lot like Toronto, where there's a lot of talented people. Mm. But... Um, there's nowhere on, on the planet where there's this condensed, this amount of, you know, talent condensed. And uh, it's good. I don't think that we're capitalizing on it enough in the sense that mm. we need to rally together more. There needs to be more kind of um, com- com- camaraderie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that the word? Um, there needs to be more kind of uh, power in numbers, you know? I wish there was more creativity when it came to making moves. The one thing we have playing against us is it's still Toronto, right? We're still the Screwface capital. If we can, if we can um, be better than that mentality, then I think we will be a force that will be very powerful. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And a person that's kind of you know was. Res- uh, played a role in people looking different at Toronto. Uh, Toronto was the homie Drizzy Drake. Drizzy. And uh, you worked with him in what? What was it? 2008? 2008. Child yeah. uh, Soul Movement number Soul one? Soul Movement Volume 1. Soul yeah. Movement Volume 1. So tell me how that came about. What's uh, Enjoy Yourself? Enjoy Yourself the, Volume 2 or Version 2. Yeah. And uh, another song called um, Share. And another song called... Um, Bad meaning good. That's a classic. Oh yeah, he went in on that. Yeah, he went in on that. He wrote he wrote my part on that too. He just I said, can you write something for me? Mm. This is long before I, I you know I knew he was a talented writer, mm-hmm. but um, I just knew he was able to create something for me. And he he wrote it, and I was like, yeah, I'll definitely sing this. And bad meaning good. Bad meaning good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
so yeah, he, Drake, we he heard some of my beats and really wanted to do a song on it. He did a song. I was like, wow, this is good. This guy's talented. He was super young. And so I wrote him back and I said, yeah, man, let's definitely get in the studio. I love what you did to the track. Um, you know what song that was? It was a song called The Thrill Is Gone. Wow. So I sent Promise a beat. Drake somehow got the beat from Promise, recorded this track to it, and then he said, uh, there was someone on the hook. Well, he said, Stock, I want you to sing the hook. I'm like, okay. So I resung the hook. Mm-hmm. The thrill is gone. To this day, this is one of my favorite beats. Yeah, that yeah. beat. Mm-hmm. And that was on the, what, Room for Improvement or something like that? Or what was, was it on, room, on something? Yeah, Room yeah. for Improvement. Off his first mixtape. Yeah, the thrill is gone. Drake laments the fact that it's becoming increasingly difficult to find a genuine woman that loves him for who he is. <laughs> He's still talking about the same stuff. <laughs> Drizzy Drake staying true. <laughs> That's over 10 years ago. Yo, he, st- he stayed to that lane. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So th- you said you messaged back that was MySpace or something? What were you talking? On Facebook? Or? It was probably MySpace. Yeah. Or e- maybe even email. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you come to the studio on 16 Bimbrock and Scarborough, and we go to the basement studio there that I had built. Mm. We just record. Good memories in that studio, man. You know, the late King Rain did his did an album down there with him. Mm. You know, Socrates would roll through sometimes. <laughs> um, Divine Brown, Melanie Durant, Art of Fresh albums were done down there. Um, who else came through? A lot of people came through that studio. It was so dope. Mm. Wow. Yeah. What, what's inspiring you today? Beach what's Town? inspiring me today? My son. Yeah. I wrote a song on here for him. There's a song called In My Arms. Mm. And it was really hard to write. So I wrote about how it was hard to write. Because it was so, it gets feelings you, they words can't really do justice for, right? But yeah, he inspires me every day. So that's that's what that is, yeah. Mm. Yeah. The album's out right now. It's out right now, bechild.com. You can go listen to it. You can buy it. It'll be vinyl very soon. And uh, yeah, I'm proud of this one, man. I am. And, you know, when I got it back from the, when the label sent these CDs to me and I popped it in the car, then you're always nervous. The you car know? test. The car test. After it's been mastered and put on a CD, you're always nervous. You're like, is it going to sound like, what's this feel like? Because when you pop it in at that stage, you're, you're listening to it as a consumer now because you can't make changes to it. I can't go back to the studio and change something. So I'm listening to it from the ears of a consumer. And I was pleased, you know, you know, the slow smile, mm-hmm. All right? And then, oh, that drop comes in. Oh, okay. It feels great. Yes. Yes. And yeah, it felt good. So, and you know, there's a good response, getting a good response too, mm. which is a bonus. You know, there's nothing worse than people not liking it, I guess. I don't know. I've, I've never had that experience. So not to sound conceited or anything, but it's just the truth. Mm. You know, I think if people don't like my music, they don't say anything. <laughs> You're too <laughs> nice I, of a guy. <laughs> well, I want to know. Like, if you don't like a song, you'll say it. Say it. I can't I imagine I you have to be mad. Trolls. No, man. 
there's never trolls. I don't know if it's because of the the style of music and like the the type of audience. But trolls are a rare thing. If I started doing like hard pop music or dance music, I think the trolls would would pop out. Mm. I guess you know. Anything else you wanted to say, Beat Child? Anything else I want to say? Um, no, not really, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's always a pleasure. And um, yeah, you can check check me out at beatchild.com. I'm on Instagram, Beatchild Music. Um, and that's what it is. Thank you, Beatchild, for continuing to make music that inspires us and you know, My gives pleasure. us something to talk about, to push, to say, yo. Yeah, man. What do you used to call it? The butter fat boom bap. Butter fat boom bap. Hey. This guy. I think I need to make you a custom crew neck sweater. <laughs> butter fat boom bap. Is that butter fat boom bap? Been there, man. Yeah, man. B-Child on the come up show. Yo, what did you guys think of my interview with B-Child, formerly known as Slackadip B-Child, the good guy there that I've supported for years on end, the energy, the vibes. Make sure you support him. Go check out that album, Heavy Rock and Steady. It is out right now wherever you get your music. And tell me what you thought of this interview. Reach out to me at The Come Up Show. If you haven't already, subscribe. Check out our previous interviews and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. My name is Chetto. Thank you for tuning in. I'll catch you on next Wednesday. Peace. Peace.